Hi, everybody. This is Kathy. And this is Todd. And welcome to our new show called Conversations with People We Love. Um, we're going to be speaking with authors, friends, philanthropists, you name it. It's basically people who are out there making the world a better place. Yes, these people inspire us and we think they'll inspire you. And this program is brought to you by BU, Raising Whole and Courageous Kids. These aren't just workshops, it's a movement. Enjoy the show. Alrighty, here we go. My name is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. We have another special podcast today, and this is an installment of Conversations with People We Love. Yes. And although I don't really know these people all that well, I do love them. Yes. So our guests Well, are, we do know them because they're members of our community and they're friends of ours from our kids' school. Right, I don't know them well. Well, we're going to get to know them well. Um, so our guests are Gene and Jeff Playstead. Did I pronounce that correctly? Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. And, sweetie, why don't you start as far as why we invited them to be on our show? Well, I'll just tell my version of the story. So I ran into Jean at school one day, and she was talking with someone about her trip. And so I just stopped and said, what kind of trip are you taking, thinking they're going to Florida or something like that? Which is what we did. Which is what we do. <laughs> we go to Orlando. Went to Universal Studios. <laughs> and she said, we're heading to Nicaragua for how long? We were there for two weeks. Two weeks. So she said, we're going to Nicaragua for two weeks. I was like, what? You know, like, that's just not usually the response you get. And so, you know, obviously didn't see them for a while. When she came back, I, you know, we just, guess again in passing, I just asked her how it was. And she said, amazing. And I said, we have to talk about this on the show. Right. So that is where we are. But I don't know much about why they went, who they went with, and how it went. So that's going to be their job today so to tell us. So I'm looking at a piece of paper that Kathy printed off called Spark Advice. Spark, Spark Ventures. Ventures. So I tell you, either Gene or Jeff, what is Spark Ventures? Sure. So Spark Ventures is a, is a Chicago-based philanthropy. It was started about six or seven years ago. Uh, and Gene and I had uh, the pleasure and honor to, to work with one of the founders in, in different organizations uh, just prior to he and his friends uh, starting Spark. So it's a, it's a venture focused wholly on um, children's uh, ch- related charities around education, health, uh, skill sets, uh, and they focus on you know what we would consider third world countries to mm-hmm. to bring uh, those those local organizations, those grassroots organizations, uh, some resources and insights and strategy around how they support the that that charity locally with a sustainable business over time. So, so that, uh, is this a charity that supports other charities? Is so that- they're a five hundred one C three. Um, and yes, they they support uh, more grassroots local. One is in Zambia, and okay. now the most recent partner here is in uh, Leon, um, Nicaragua. So yes, they are a charity that supports charities, but the model is a little different in that they go in and they want to help stabilize mm-hmm. the organization, uh, whether that's through real estate, some funding, HR, uh, or just plain medical services. Mm-hmm. And then they help they work with them over time to build a business that's locally relevant and will sustain. Uh, so a for-profit business that those profits will then go into the charitable organization. And so it will sustain that over time and they become more self-sufficient. So what it sounds like is that there's something already <clears throat> going on in Nicaragua. There's, they're already trying to do something or build a school or, you know, enhance the school and and Spark Ventures comes in and helps them do that. Absolutely. Is that, so it, that's already the the seeds are already planted and then you guys go in and make that bigger. So is this affiliated with a church that you belong to or is this completely separate from any church religious no, stuff? yeah, it's uh, like Jeff mentioned, one of our friends, Scott Barbeau, um, that we've known, Jeff's known him for close to 20 years. 24. Yeah, okay. And me, 
a little a few years later met him and he and a couple of his friends actually went to Africa to do some volunteer work and met a gentleman named Charles that was working uh, with a charity in Zambia that um, was helping the community that had really been struck by the AIDS epidemic. Mm-hmm. And they were talking to Charles about what he was doing in his community, and it, re- it sparked mm-hmm. you know, um, a change in their lives. And they came back and said, we want to do more to help. You know, They talked to him about what could he be doing, what else would he like to be doing to help the children in his community. And they came back and said, we got to figure out how to help this gentleman and wow. yeah. yeah literally going thinking that they would have a trip that they would feel good about mm-hmm. do a little bit of giving uh, come back with some pictures post them on facebook and go on with their lives and, and i think they were really struck by charles in the conversation of you know asking questions like what do you need and expecting to hear things like we need more money mm-hmm. and right. charles comment was we need partners that can help us mm-hmm. you know evolve the organizations that that we care so much about and have spent so much time and energy to, to try to support our own communities so it's less about money for them and more about partnership and, you know, there's a whole lot that comes with that. Okay. So let's fast forward. So how did you guys get to be in a position <clears throat> to be invited or even to take the initiative to go to Nicaragua? Yeah. Well, we've been a part of Spark from the beginning, um, you know, watching what they were doing, investing in what they were doing. And then on, in our own personal lives, we had promised each other that for our 15th wedding anniversary, we would do something special together. <laughs> so we'd sort of had that plan Always, we kind of made that promise on our honeymoon, right? Yes, we did. Which seemed so far away. Oh, that's oh what I'm gosh. laughing about. That's 15 years. Of, well, oh, that's so far. Um, so we knew we wanted to do something, and we'd been, you know, a part of Spark since it began. And um, Jeff, the email comes out about this trip to Nicaragua, and Jeff actually was the one who saw it, and he said, instead of you Instead know, of going, going back, back to, to Maui Hawaii or, or going, you know, to some crazy eco vacation this? in Mexico, yeah. And this was something that we'd always wanted to do. I wish that I had been able to do something more like that during college or after college. To you know, we've had some friends who've gone and done some really important volunteer work. So when it came up, I looked at him and he's, "What do you think? Let's do it. Let's oh, do it." Gives me chills. Yeah, it was. A little bit different than massages on the beach or uh, traditional anniversary vacation, but uh, But we're really happy. Mm -hmm. We're really happy. You have two children, two boys, two boys, Mm -hmm. and how old are they? Uh, One is in sixth grade, Luke, Mm -hmm. and the uh, younger one is in third grade with Cameron. Mm -hmm. And how long was the trip? The trip, the trip with Spark. We we worked with Spark for a week, and then Jeff and I continued on and explored Nicaragua on our own for another almost a week after that. So, and I'm just thinking about this from a practical standpoint, and you brought this up before we started, is did you instantly think, well, how am I going to manage this from a scheduling standpoint because our lives are so busy and blah, 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 and caretaking and all that? So was that one of the first things you thought about? Oh, for sure. I mean, he goes through this, I go through a whole process to get that all organized. I was really nervous about it, but we're lucky because we have grandparents who um, love to come in and stay with us and and be a part of the kids' lives at that level and, you know, take them to school. So they're really... They really help us a lot. They yeah, we had, well, that was that enabled us to have that support layer at home, and then uh, I work at Microsoft, and one of our core values is giving. Mm-hmm. And so at work, uh, I was also very much supported from the, my team that I work with. 
uh, the folks on my team to my management and, and our extended teams and everyone saw or knew that this was a commitment that I had um, to, to giving and giving back. And, uh, and without that, that would have been very difficult to be gone for two weeks as well. Bill so Gates. we're support at home and yeah, oh, support at home and really work. really supportive of that stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah well, we did great. a show a few months ago about the Giving Pledge, and it's something Bill Gates and Warren Buffett started. And yep. they, in a magazine I saw, they had they listed the people that have given the most to charity over the last, whatever, X amount of years. And as much as Warren Buffett has given, he is a distant second to Bill Gates, mm-hmm. which is right. quite impressive. But so did you have to take, and I know we're going to get into the Nicaragua part of this, sure. but did you have to take vacation for it? Or is Microsoft so giving that they knew that this was a giving thing and it was not as affected by your vacation. Sure. So uh, I, I took vacation. Um, I, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, in being in a very Western or more of an American-centric kind of approach, I, I don't use all my vacation. They're very uh, generous with vacation, so it wasn't something I was concerned about there. Uh, to me, were one of the, the benefits of actually going on the trip was not only do they uh, match our, our financial donations, but the time is also matched. So wow. if I'm there down there for that week, Microsoft will give a portion of my salary as well. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that amazing? That's crazy. It is amazing. And and it seems so, I'm going to use the word simple, but the mindset behind it is so beautiful and makes so much sense in the bigger picture. You wonder why not everybody does that. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, these are things we talk about on the show all the time. It just seems so simple, but. Because people are motivated by greed. (laughs) Some. uh, Some. And that's why. Yeah, I know. Well, bottom line. How about we say bottom line? The bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about Nicaragua. Did you know what to expect before getting there, or were you guys just kind of roll? Like, were you digging ditches? What did you guys do? No, we we had a general idea of what we were going to do, but I mean, it was I was intimidated by the whole situation. Um, you know, we kind of have uh, you have impressions and stereotypes in your mind about what you think about a country that you haven't been to, and. So I was a little nervous um, and, like I said, intimidated. Um, And we knew that we were going to go and work with the charity, but we didn't know exactly what we were going to do. Right. You know, up until about a week before we left. And this is, I mean, we made this decision six months, five months ahead of time. I had assumed, you know, we filled out skill sets and kind of where do you think you could lean in? Um, Excuse me. In one of the areas... Uh, my father is a contractor, and so growing up from the time I was 14 on, it was no bums in our household. Here's what you're going to do. And so I, you know, I have five years of construction and five years of bricklaying experience. So I literally thought I was going to be down there helping build homes and, uh, you know, maybe an outhouse or some sort of infrastructure. But that's really not what the, this program was more about understanding the community, understanding the organization, Las Tias, that we were going to visit, mm-hmm. and working with the children hands-on. And so there was a lot of work with, with the children in, in Las Tias proper, um, the, the original organizers and the teachers and, and everyone that's packed into that organization, and really understanding kind of their story, where they came from, how, they, how Las Tias was brought up. Uh, what they're actually trying to do, and then working with the children to see firsthand what they're doing. And we went on a few home visits, but it, it wasn't physically taxing. I would say that um, it was more emotionally taxing, I mm-hmm. think, than, than we were prepared for in, in a good way. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, um, so when you I, say emotional ta- emotionally taxing, get specific. W- sure. What about it was hard, was heavy? So I said right from the beginning, you know, you're, you're leaving the Managua Airport, and we're on our way to, to Leon. And to see the way people live, even as you're in this bus or van in a bubble kind of traveling through it, uh, that was the first impression, right, of, boy, we, we knew it was going to be different. 
but it's so different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the poverty levels that you that you're going through and you're you're driving through at first uh, were, were quite stunning. And then to get to Lyon and, and come out of the van and you know get get all settled in, and they did a great job with the logistics. So we felt really safe and we're in a good hotel. But you're in a in a city that's very different. Mm-hmm. You know, and the poverty levels are very different. Um, you know, one of the things that Gene and I kind of came back to is, you know, how much people do and how happy they are with how little that they have. And totally. it's, it's a stark mm-hmm. reminder, um, and, and in contrast to the consumerism that sometimes we catch ourselves in here, here in the U.S. Uh, we actually, it's interesting because about two weeks ago, Todd and I watched the documentary Happy. Have you oh, guys seen yeah. oh, yeah. it? And I feel like that's exactly, you know, what you're saying is the experience of when, you know, people what they need to be happy, or at least this is what I took away from it, is a relationship to themselves and a relationship to others, a relationship to the land or a relationship to what they do and what they put out. And that's it. Like it doesn't, it doesn't necessitate stuff. It doesn't necessitate bigness. It doesn't necessitate always needing more. And so, I mean, I just feel like you guys got to, you know, we read about it and, you know, and sometimes we see it, unfortunately, in our own, you know, town or surrounding cities, but you guys got to see it in a really different way. Mm-hmm. You're right. I mean, we do see it here. Um, and it is in stark contrast, to use that term again, mm-hmm. to our lives and our lifestyle, even within our own community or within our own country. But then to take that and go to the second poorest nation mm-hmm. in the Western Hemisphere, that gap, that disparity is so much larger. Um, okay. you know, and, and it's and, you're not you've been sensitized to it sometimes around here. The, the gap that we see, which is a tremendous and, hor- and terrible gap at times in the U.S., but then to take to, to a country like this, it's the next level. Years, yeah, years yeah. and years ahead. Right, and I was just going to say, in a country that doesn't have the infrastructure, infrastructure. That sure. was a hard word for me. <laughs> you got it. Um, to to help in the in the way that we do here. You know, there's a lot of infrastructure set up to help um, people in in this country, and it's important, and we need to be a part of that, too. Right. But to go somewhere where that isn't necessarily there in the same way um, and to understand the impact that you can have by participating and and being there. Mm -hmm. So paint the picture for me. I mean, was there running water for these kids or did they have to go somewhere? Like what, what helped me understand what, what it was that you saw? Well, so the, um, last TS, which means the aunts, um, the, is a community center for the kids. So they come there, um, for, and they receive hygiene, Mm -hmm. um, care, some medical care, and they get a good nutritious meal every day. Um, so what they have in that community center is, you know, yes, there's running water and they get good food and, and support. But it's not where they live. It's not where they live. Right. And we were taken to one of the homes um, and there was running water outside in the back, right? And right, yeah. So, so yeah, again, you know, this, this Nicaragua is a place where children go to school for a half a day. Right. What do you do for that other half a day with the children? And coming out of the counter-revolution area when Las Tias was started 25 years ago or so, um, you know, the children were spending their days stealing from the markets, doing mm-hmm. drugs. Um, you know, uh, the girls were uh, into prostitution. Sometimes the boys were as well. And so these, these ladies who owned stalls saw this firsthand. They were, you know, being stolen from um, and said, hey, we need to do something here that helps the children to kind of stop this this cycle of, of crime and poverty, and so you know, as Jean said, they you know they come in from their homes, which sometimes have running water, sometimes do not. Right. Uh, they are um, very you know, simple, 
Very, yeah, very that's simple. A, a, you have a, a magic for the understatement. <laughs> uh, it was shocking at times, right, to come in dirt floors, uh, three or four walls, corrugated metal, the kitchen's outside. Um, you know, they're living in clusters on, on hillsides where mudslides are a factor every mm. couple of years. And so these children have to work their way and find their way to school. And in the, you know, in the rural areas, that means they could walk three or four hours. So some of them move from rural areas in closer to this small metropolitan area. So the kids get up. You know, whether there's whichever cycle they're on, morning or, or afternoon in school, and they'll spend the rest of that time going to Las Tias, as Jean said, to get breakfast and lunch, and brush their teeth that once a day. And frankly, just to get away from kind of the the life that they're leading, yeah. right, which is you come home from school and you start to work. That's mm-hmm. right. You know, and, and a lot of them have good parent relationships and some of them are broken uh, households as we, we would define them. And so sometimes that's uh, not necessarily the best environment for a child for four, five, six hours when they're not in school. Um, they're not studying, maybe. They're, they're working. They're in a dangerous environment from a health perspective. So LSTS gives them that environment to come in and just, you know, really... It's like into temporary school. sanctuary. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's well, a perfect term for and it. And love. Yep. Yeah. Lots of well, love. And I watched that short video on the page mm-hmm. you know, that you guys sent me, the website, which we'll say it a few times, but... And we'll um, put it on the show notes, yeah. too, the video. But the, it sounded like a lot of these kids, their parents have passed due to AIDS and, right. and maybe other illnesses. It sounds like a lot of these kids aren't being raised by grandparents or other family members. Is that, is that the case? Is that Absolutely what you saw? Absolutely correct. Yep. Um, <clears throat> I think there is some tuberculosis that we heard about and, you know, the other challenges that you mentioned. Um, and th- these women because they were they were they worked in the market you know they were a part of the community and they have stayed a very much a part of the community so these fam- families or kids talk to each other and they say here's a place where you can go and these kids all choose to come here to last yes yep. um so it's i i think that that's a pretty amazing piece of it is that they're all they all choose to come there because they know that they're yep. going to get that love and support you know, yeah. and, and certainly you know, in, the, in the Zambia partnership, um, a lot more of that has to do with um, illnesses and, and their parents passing away. There's certain, certainly an element of that in Nicaragua, but a lot of it is also just economically the country yeah. is so poor um, that their parents have to go elsewhere. And it's not always uh, realistic to take their children with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they get left with either a single parent or aunts and uncles or oftentimes grandparents. And you know, one of the stories was a grandmother who had I think two or three grandchildren with her. Um, you know, the, the father was, had passed away, I think in, in the war and, and the, the mother had, had to go somewhere else for work and she was selling sodas to locals in the market to support mm-hmm. three children. And that's just not sustainable. And, and, no. and so then the result is, you know, out of necessity, the children start to do things that, you know, the grandmother doesn't care for. It's not good for them, not good for their culture, not good for the community. Yeah, that's and that those are things I'm thinking about. Like Las Tias, the goal of it is obviously to have a place for these kids for those basic everyday necessities, which is the number one priority. But from what you were saying at the beginning of our conversation, the long term is to turn things around business wise, to turn sure. things to get these children educated, give them other opportunities. Correct. Right. Yes, well, yeah, to keep them in school. Yeah. Right, so that they can graduate and get the health benefits while they're there, as well as the education. But then there are also kind of uh, trade skill elements to it, whether it's uh, Gene the they were doing tailoring and, and seamstress. Uh, hair. Yep. Um, yeah, seamstress, leather working. Furniture, did yep. you say? Yeah, furniture. Um, and then you mentioned making them more sustainable. In Zambia, they've um, invested in a poultry farm mm-hmm. um, that I think I think they said they're going to raise something like 90,000 chickens this mm-hmm. year. And the, 
you know, the profit from that business goes right back into that immediate communities to back to the Hope Community School to help support what they're doing for the kids. In Nicaragua, they're looking at um, the the goal is to invest in um, farming, different types of yeah, like a diverse agribusiness, and, in right? And honeybees. So that Las Tias will have a self-sustaining business also. And a lot of the students in Africa work, are part of the, you know, managing that farm, that poultry farm. And that's the goal in Nicaragua as well. So, so it sounds like not only do they need, like you said, the hands-on and the connection, the communication, but they need people's knowledge base. Like Absolutely. they need people to go in and teach them how, because running a business necessitates a lot of different skill right. sets. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Interesting. Well, at the risk of uh, getting off track a little bit, uh, what I, first of all, I'm very inspired by what it is Me that too. you two did. Um, and I think of, uh, you know, the whole idea of giving back and all that. Like I think of... Uh, Mother Teresa and people who dedicate their entire lives to doing something like that. And they live in poverty and all that. You two are normal neighbors raising a family just like the rest of us are. And yet you stopped what you're doing and you went away for a few weeks to do to give back. It's not like you guys do this every month for the last 15 years. You guys just kind of stopped what you're doing and did this. And I, I say that for ourselves and for other mm-hmm. listeners. It's not like everybody has to go to Nicaragua, but you don't have to um, be Change like, oh, I, I, I could never life. do that. Mm-hmm. Right. You actually can. We can. And I just think that that's pretty cool that, you know, I'm sure you guys did a whole lot of giving for your previous 15 years of your marriage, but you guys kind of stopped, took a look at your marriage, where you are in life, and you want to do something. I just, I'm pretty inspired by that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks. And, you know, and it's, you know, all the way from the Mother Teresas of the world to the, to the founders, you know, uh, Rich and Scott and others of this organization that inspired us to do these things mm-hmm. as well and take a hard look. And you're right. I, you know, we, we have a lot of stories about whether, you know, we were working with Special Olympics or some sort of charitable drive uh, in university or right out of university or, you know, raising money for pediatric AIDS here in Chicago. And, uh, you know, and, and we did we did give financially for a while um, and we didn't do as much, spend as much of our time uh, and, and invest that over the last 10 or 15 years. And, you know, and I think that's a big reason why many people fall off is, yeah. you know, we're here to raise our children. And that's the, the that concentric circle right in the very center that we're focused on. And, and it's easy to lose sight and think that, you know, hey, I give a little bit of money here and there and that's making an impact. But really for us is, um, and this is part of our, our philosophy on raising our children is, you know, we just don't want to talk about it. Yeah. We, want, we want to show you how to do it. Well, we, want just, to, we want to pattern that behavior, and it's good for us and good for you. Well, and I just wrote down the word role modeling. <clears throat> I mean, we, you know, what Kathy and I talk about the, on the show is your kids do not, you're not nearly as affected by what you say to them versus what Absolutely. you do. This is something that is going to be embedded in your two sons' brains saying, hey, when my parents were in their 40s or however old you are, they, they went to Nicaragua. I mean, I just think that it that's, becomes normalized. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. for a lot of, you know, like Todd said, for so many of us, we say, oh, I don't want to do that or I can't do that or that's impossible for the them. Sure. They don't have the time. Yeah. I, there's no way I could. There's a normalization. And I guess that would be my next question for both of you guys. Uh, two parts. Number one, how the experience <clears throat> changed you personally, just aside from your parenting, just you as a human being. And then number two, how it changed your parenting or the way you view what you're doing with your kids. Oh, my goodness. I mean, um, I guess I'm going, first of all, I would like to say that the women last TS inspired me in a way that I I didn't realize how touched I would be by those women Um, and the power when women come together and want to get something done. 
Um, and so I was really touched um, and inspired to, th- to think, what else can I be doing? Mm-hmm. Look what these women have done. You can do, you can do more. Mm-hmm. So let, you know, think about that and set, and set some goals for yourself. Um, and I was also touched by how important it is for, I'm sorry, now I'm going to cry. I am too. I'm struggling. I'm um, like, I got to keep it together. Oh but, God, gotcha. you know, it's important for us to go out and into the world and talk to each other and, and interact with each other and be there for each other when you can, you know, and like Todd said, you can't always do that. And we were lucky that we were able to do this. Um, but it's something that I want to continue to do because uh, I think it's important as we, you know, evolve as a global community that we reach out to each other and know who each other are and how we can work together, you know, to make things better. And like you said, you know, when you were explaining your 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 thoughts about Nicaragua before you went, we had these impressions or these thoughts or this this story that's been fed to us. And then to go there and to actually experience people and right. be like, this is, and again, like you said, the poverty level is incredible and, and mind-blowing, but the people... Our people, yeah, you know, they're just like you and I, trying to have make the connections and do what's best for their kids, and you got to see that firsthand. We got to see it, and you know, they they invited us into their homes. Mm -hmm. We cooked a huge meal together, Mm -hmm. um, which was one of the most incredible experiences of my life because I was the sous chef to a woman who spoke only Spanish, Mm -hmm. and I speak just a couple of sentences, Mm -hmm. Um, and we were dear friends by the end of hmm. the, yeah, the dessert the meal, that we made the together. Yeah. And the culture. And and I mean, we were dancing um, you know, for the last hour of the evening and, and how wonderful and welcoming they were for us. And, and on the, the theme of how it, how it affected us again, it just, it demonstrated to me in another way, you know, that I'm so glad that you've, you've seen that, that documentary yeah. happy, right? It, it, that I thought it was a wonderful movie and, and I got a lot out of that. Um, and then to take that kind of to the next level and, and live it and experience it and immerse yourself, even for just, you know, eight days in that environment, um, it reminded me of, you know, what, what I really need to be happy. And, yeah. it, and it starts with, um, w- with the people around you. Yeah. Uh, but it does extend out past that. And, and just as an example um, of their lives, to, to take some of that back and, and really realize that it's the simple things that drive true happiness and contentment and um, that, that's how it's, it's changed me. And I mean, from a parenting, um, perspective, you know, you try to take these things back. Like we would go into the community center and there are four stuffed animals for mm-hmm. you know, 250 children. You walk into our basement, there are 250 stuffed animals for two, <laughs> two children. <boys. laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and just that little piece and not, you know, not to come back and try to drive that into our child. Like, you don't understand. And, you know, you know, it was well heard that coming up, like finish mm-hmm. your peas and your Brussels sprouts because there are children starving in Africa. Right. And it's, you know, it's very conceptual. And you don't understand it. And so you can't come back and just say that it's a way to try to figure out, you know, how do you, how do you get that maximum happiness out of what you need? Not necessarily what you want. And that's a big thing for us, Of I think, with our children is trying to help them understand, not just tell them, but try to give them a framework so they understand what do I need and what do I want, mm-hmm. right? Because if you have the things you need and you're chasing the things that you want, you never have a chance to reflect back on, on are you happy and are you doing the right things? But if you have what you need and you realize that the rest is a want, now those are all decisions and choices that you can make with your time and your money mm-hmm. and yourself. And I, for me, I think that that helps us build better, you know, citizens, mm-hmm. um, not just, you know, like, yeah, I want my kids to be successful mm-hmm. and, um, and I think they're special, 
but I want them to be global citizens of this world, right? And realize that it's not just about them and what they can take off the table. It's what they can help create and make that table larger so more people can come to it. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, that I, was really good. Well, it's so good. And, you know, just when you were saying that, I, when people say things, I see it visually. And just what you said about the wants and needs, like if you know what you need and you find your yourself and your contentment in that, all the wants, just like you said, you don't chase it anymore. You just view it as icing. Mm-hmm. Like if it comes, great. And if it's something you can get, great. Like I'm all for joy, but the truth is, is that most of the joy comes from that need pile. You know, Mm -hmm. we keep thinking it's from the want pile and every once in a while, sure, something, you know, comes and you enjoy it. I'm not against that, but it, you're so right that if you're not chasing it, then you just get to live in that contentment bubble a little more. Mm -hmm. Well, that's like a really good, first of all, we got about three or four minutes left, but like if I were to take a trip like this and I already feel guilty for what I have, and I don't think that's I don't think that's serving. I don't no, think that helps. Thing, right? But I'm just being honest with my right. emotions. Right? Did you guys come home feeling like? I suppose if you look at it as a glass is half full, you have an appreciation for for what you have. If you look at it as a glass is half empty, like oh my god, I have so much stuff and I don't need any of this. Right. Like, did you guys bring any of those feelings home with you? I absolutely did. I had a really hard time even just standing on our street and looking around at the houses and. Mm. I mean, I was really struck by that um, and have made a concentrated effort ever since to sort of work on that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I was definitely brought that home. I don't know about you, Jeff. Oh, absolutely. You know, um, not that we live a monastic lifestyle and that we're, you know, we've thrown everything out that we have no. that we don't need. Um, we certainly still live a comfortable lifestyle. But I would say, and I would credit Gene with this over the last 10 years or so, of us taking steps toward this, mm. right? Um, you know, that we didn't just decide one day to do this out of nowhere or because we needed a drastic lifestyle change. Gene has been really good about help guiding our family step by step over the last 10 years of, of, you know, do we need these things? And it's not just about the clutter in your life, right? And how that makes you feel, but it's also about, you know, where does it go afterward? You know, and again, this mm-hmm. having this broader impact, well, that little cuddly guy looks great on the shelf and he'll look awesome and you'll play with it for a while, but it'll end up in a landfill somewhere. Yeah. You know, hopefully it will make its way to another child before that. But again, I think Gene's been really good about us, um, you know, being disciplined about us changing our lifestyle over the last 10 years to, to map to kind of our core values. Well, we talk a lot about this show on leaning into something like mm-hmm. to your point, it's not a drastic, you know, some people have like this moment of clarity and completely turn their world upside down but for most of us it's kind of baby stepping your way towards something and it sounds like you guys have been baby stepping your way towards Nicaragua for a long time right yeah and then you're on that ledge and and it's a big leap off the ledge but to your point it is baby steps to get there yeah um, go ahead, sweetie. Well, I want to at least a few times give information about, because I know that people are listening to this saying, okay, what is this organization and how can I get in touch with them? So can you guys give, do you have the website off the top of your head by any chance? I got it. Okay. It's sparkventures.org. Easy. Mm-hmm. Sparkventures.org. And what are some other suggestions, you guys, you know, if people are baby stepping this, obviously they can go to this website, but what are some other choices that they can make? today like if they were interested in maybe eventually traveling somewhere and helping what else could they do um with regard to spark do you spark or anything else like you know you were just saying lifestyle wise you've been you know kind of recognizing your own what do they call it your footprint Mm -hmm. yeah in this world your carbon footprint in this world like what are you know other suggestions the baby steps that people can take either through this or anything else 
Um, you know, I mean, with inside of our family, we've ch- we try to make it a goal every year talking to the kids about where we can help. Mm-hmm. Um, and those those opportunities have been things that have, you know, come up in our community. Um, somebody had a fire in, in their home or, you know, somebody is sick and and talking amongst our family about how can we help at you know, in those situations. So I think that just, you know, talking to your children and, and making that a part of, of what you do together, what you, you know, you talk about other things that you, that you're going to do, um, other goals you have as a family to add this into your goals. Like, where can we help? How can we help? Um, and just make that a part of the culture of, of your family. And I think a lot of people are doing that. Um, but you know, to focus in on it and make it a goal for your family, I think that, yeah, and I mean, and how you get there, um, you know, I think one of the frameworks there is really, you know, you have to have a an inkling, right, or a desire at first. We all have to. You have to have that spark yeah. to kind of come back to that. And for me, I think it's, you know, what's important to you? What are you passionate about? Mm-hmm. And aligning your passions with, you know, there is an organization out there, especially in the U.S., to meet nearly anything, right, if it's about reading or mentoring or um, there are plenty of those programs in the city and even in some of the suburbs. Or if you're passionate about music and school programs mm-hmm. are getting music, you know, yeah. can you help, you know, even give your, your time or your money there? And I think, you know, for me, it's a progression, right? So I think the easy piece is what's, what's important to you? Pick one or two things that are very important to you. And then you can give the money, take time to learn about those organizations a little bit more. And then if you're so lucky and you're so, in, or so vested into it, then just start giving time. Because to me, the time was what actually gave us more of a return, even yeah. though it was more money and, you know, it did take me out and there were the vacation days, but it was that, that spending the time is where I got a lot of the benefit. And then frankly, you know, it's very, a child doesn't see the money that comes in or the toothbrush or the toothpaste or the doctor appointment. But when somebody's there and spending the time with them, it means so much. Um, that, that would be the way I would go through it. Of just find that one little anchor point and, and if you can just progress, progress. along the way. Well, and to your point, uh, Jeff, uh, we, uh, I, I wouldn't want to go to Nicaragua out of guilt. To your point, sure. I would want, there's a million different ways you can get money is the fastest and easiest and sometimes most effective way of doing it. But there's donating your time to a local organization. Absolutely. And I think the key is for what Kathy and I talk about on the show is find out what makes your heart sing, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term, mm-hmm. and do that. Like, don't go to Nicaragua or Africa if you think that you would be miserable. Like, you guys, I'm sure there was some trepidation, but... You wanted to go there. Mm -hmm. You were excited to go there. Mm -hmm. So figure out what your thing is and just do it. It doesn't have to look the way you guys do it or we do it or Bill Gates does it. Figure out your way to do it. Mm -hmm. Yep. That is the bottom And sometimes you have to step outside of your comfort zone to get there, you know. Um, And I think that's important, too, is uh, I just read a quote a couple of days ago that said – don't be afraid of your fears because they're actually telling you that this is something important, you know? Um, so some of those going after some of your passions, you might be a little scared to take that risk or whatever, but to say to yourself, you know what, that means it's worth it. So I got to try, got to walk through it, got to walk with it. So we're over time. Is there any to Kathy or to Jean and uh, Jeff, is there anything like last minute, like I wanted to talk about this, but I didn't get a chance to, or any message? The only thing I was going to say is um, there are be- the the natural beauty of going to different places was another thing that sort of struck me. It's a beautiful place, mm-hmm. Nicaragua um, and other places in the world. Um, just the natural beauty of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are going back and taking our kids back um, or taking our kids there 
in August. Um, and, uh, you know, we'd be happy to talk to anybody that thought that sounded like something they want to do or... Yeah, what we'll do on the show notes and what we'll do, you know, connected to the show is give an email or some way that we can, you know, people can reach you guys just in case they have questions, because I'm sure it's so much easier rather than to read just a website is to get personal experience from people. Mm Because there's, you know, especially with taking your children there, there's probably a lot of questions about that, you know, Um, but I, your sons, are they excited? Are they? Do they know about it do yet? They know? Yeah, yeah, oh, they we, know. yeah, we didn't yeah. make the decision. I mean, we even before we left, we wanted to make sure they were comfortable with us being gone for a couple of weeks. They're mm-hmm. used to us traveling. I travel internationally uh, for work. Gene and I—it's uh, one of our passions as well. That's why this trip, you know, in part aligned with us. So they knew about it. Uh, I don't want to say we asked their permission, but we socialized it with them before we went. Mm-hmm. And since we've been back, we've said, hey, you know, one of the reasons we went down there was to think, you know, could we take you? Uh, are you interested? And after learning more, they were. And, and it did take us a couple of months for us to get our heads and hearts around it uh, collectively as a family. And we are going back. And and so the other piece, you're, you're absolutely right about, um, you know, it's one thing to read it, but it's another thing to hear it. We're going to be having some folks to our house um, in the coming weeks, and uh, that probably won't be the only event. And there are a number of events for Spark in particular. Um, and I'd be happy um, to set up time with folks who are trying to figure out how to align their passions with uh, with the broader globe and how they can give back, uh, whether it's through Spark or, or other organizations. I mean, you know, full transparency, I've joined the board of directors of Spark Ventures since we've returned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, what's more important to me is that sharing that gift um, of giving. And, and I'll be, I'd be happy to help anyone uh, figure out how they can make an impact globally and then on themselves and maybe their family as well. Oh, it's fantastic. It's awesome. Um, anything else, sweetie? No, I just, my brain is just spinning now. Yeah. <laughs> like, what can we do, Todd? What can we do? I know. I know. That's well, where it all starts. It is. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, is this all started with one conversation, your friend talking to that man. A spark. A spark. And then mm. it makes your, like, you know, Todd said, it makes your heart sing. And then you get a little afraid, but then that sends you, you know, it's great. I just love the process. So thanks, you guys. This Thank was you really you. Thank you very Thank much. You. Um, catch you next time. Okay. Adios. Have a good week. <laughs>